We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to turn our attention out east, where we had a very fun kind of old school Eastern Conference rivalry game, an emerging rivalry. Very rarely in the NBA do you see two teams with title aspirations within the same conference make a major trade, but they did. And this was Ben Simmons's first time back in Philadelphia. A lot of people came to boo. Obviously, he did not play in that game, but then the boos got turned to the Philadelphia 76ers who got whooped pretty good by the by Brooklyn Nets team that I think had lost, you know, 14 out of its last 17 games or something like that. Kevin Durant was a monster. Seth Curry was great, who they got from Philly. There's some John Mike between KD and Joel Embiid. I thought it was a, a fun night. The NBA, NBA needs more of that type of rivalry and, and jawing. Mike, you're as fluent on the entire NBA as anyone I know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on quite the butt kicking in Philadelphia last night. It was pretty quickly evident what was going on there and how much Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and really the rest of the Nets roster, probably including Steve Nash and the whole front office, just wanted to do a little, oh, okay, okay, James. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what that was about. I don't yeah. think I'm not reading into it too much that this is like, a, this is what would happen if they met in a seven game series, which I really am hoping happens um, as the two seven, which I do think Brooklyn's going to get the seven seed, by the way. And the it's really the top of the East is so packed that there's going to be a lot of moving um, as you have several teams within a game uh, of each other there. But that would be that would be great theater. No question to be able to see that. But Darius, that's all I saw for the most part. It was it was like, we're going to show you how much of a, a dick we thought you were being. <laughs> and they took it out and they emptied the clip. And Kevin Durant still is the best player, clearly, out of all of those guys, uh, even though Embiid has risen to some pretty incredible levels this year. But if I got to pick one of those guys and they're healthy, it's Kevin Durant, who, by the way, doesn't need much time back, uh, time, time back to you know look like his full self, which is always incredible to me. But that's what I thought it was. What do you think, D? Yeah, uh, on the healing standpoint, KD is very Wolverine-ish. 
right? It's just like, oh, look, you're back 100%. Like nothing ever happened, right? And he's just out there crossing dudes up, shooting pull-up jumpers, getting to the rack, dunking. No big deal. I enjoyed watching Philly get mopped. There is a certain amount of stuff that I just don't like aesthetically from players or from teams. And I thought that Harden and then Embiid even too, like the foul hunting and the like, oh, let me like rip through four times on a single possession trying to draw a whistle. And then when I finally do get the whistle, like hurry to the foul line as quickly as I possibly can to ask for for the ball as if I'm entitled to these points based off the fact that you're obviously a great player, but that you have like grifted your way to two points and you're proud of it. That stuff just irks me on a fundamental level. Like go out there and play the game. You're so much bigger and stronger than all of these, these dudes. I don't need you acting like you're Chris Paul, basically, who's a six foot dude who's not even probably six feet right and who probably needs to manipulate the game in certain ways in order to be as great as he's going to be at a dude who is that size and b doesn't need that help he can foul you out simply by burying you underneath the basket in similar not the same but in similar ways that Shaq did like Mm -hmm. nearly two decades ago or two decades ago and and so that sort of stuff and then the Harden sort of like, oh, I was laughing to myself because I thought like, oh, man, look at KD and Kyrie like they're in playoff mode. And then I looked at James Harden and I'm just like, oh, you in playoff mode, too, homie, with your one for 11 <laughs> in a big game when when oh. all the defensive attention is on you and you're not getting any foul calls and dudes are packing you with the basket because all you're doing is trying to throw your body in to players. Nice. Hey, You're man. talking Mike's language right now. He's beaming. I wish you guys could see Mike right now. No, and, and, and so it's it's that sort of stuff that just sort of bothers me. And so, like, that's not to say that I dislike Philly in general, but the aesthetics of last night game were much more geared towards me rooting for Brooklyn in a very obvious and open way where I was just like, oh, man, I, I am enjoying I am enjoying this. I am I am enjoying watching them trounce th- these dudes because these dudes are out here trying to basically win in this way where it's just like you're not really winning, right? You're not trying to beat the opponent. You're trying to like do anything you can in order to win the game, which is different to me. But where are you at, Pete? It's also not sustainable come playoff time. I don't think it's a coincidence that those guys generally come playoff time uh, – falter or play to a lower level. Like you said, James Harden was in playoff mode in part because if that's what you're doing, you're fundamentally relying upon your opponent to make a mistake. In fact, KD and Kyrie are good counters to this idea where it's like they're going to get their 35 on their skill, on their ability to cross you up, their KD's ability to go over the top, Kyrie's handles and all of that, of which Harden and Embiid, of course, are, are 
incredibly skilled. I don't want to act like they're not. But when that big of a portion of your game, Mike, is dependent upon a whistle or dependent upon that four, those four rip throughs, that's not really a basketball move or gathers in place where if you were really intending to take the shot, you would never never gather at this point, but you do it so you can initiate contact. That goes away come playoff time, not just because the refs don't call it, but because the guy across from you knows the BS that you're going to pull. And instead of just playing you once and then going on to play another team, they're playing you best out of seven. I just think that you can find regular season success that way, but in some ways you're kind of damning yourself in the playoffs. Boy, could we not agree more on that type. I mean, you know my thing on that, right? Pete, I'm always complaining about stuff like that. I don't know if you're just trying to wind me up. And just so you know that this is something that I, that really affects me. When Lou Will played for the Lakers and he would get to the free throw line by doing some of his, you know, some of his stuff, right? And I would, I could not help myself in the postgame locker room, but to ask him specific questions about it. And he never wanted to answer the questions about it, right? Because it's, it's like, he's like, dude. Stop, stop asking me yeah. about that. Like, well, <laughs> but when you go, you know, it's like when you raise up to shoot, like you're offhand, you're actually grabbing the other guy's arm. Right. And I wouldn't ask it like that exactly, but that's what I was trying to get at. Cause that's what, that's what he does really. And that's not the only trick. Right. And Harden's got a lot of that stuff. And Embiid has really like Embiid is doing it a lot more even than Trey Young. Trey Young has backed off some of that stuff this year. And that was driving me crazy last year. And I used to say this with, you know, Kobe had some tricks, but for the most part, Kobe was trying to get you to actually foul him, not to get the refs to blow the whistle. Like Kobe was doing moves, knowing that you wouldn't be able to hang. And that's how DeRozan plays too, for the most, like DeRozan's pump fake, pump fake, pump. He's not just arm hunting, right? Or, or flailing with the legs and stuff like that. So there is a difference between that. But I'm now going to make a, a quick flip side argument to this game and think that people are now going to watching that. And it's really hard not to. This is human nature and think, wow, if these guys met in a playoff series, watch out like Brooklyn's for real. That's game one, though. And that's game one with the with the top seed, not really engaging, not really trying hard. Philly has been really damn good since Harden got there. And they're big. They're long. They've they defend. Embiid really is, unless you have Anthony Davis, apparently, uh, almost impossible to stop. And Harden, when engaged, which I think he will be, and also not having to be the best player and not having to have that ultimate pressure, I do think Philly has a legitimate chance to come out of the East. And mm. yeah, and, and I, I don't think that, I don't know how many people are going to pick them because l- why don't you guys react to that? Because I have a, I have a somewhat related Milwaukee point that I want to bring back to kind of what I've seen from Lakers playoff teams of the past. Uh, and it, But it, you want to hit Philly here quick, and then we'll do that other point after that. Yeah, let's take a break and actually talk uh, Philly's playoff hopes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. D, I've, I've never been in on, on Philly. Uh, now, they made this trade in which I think that they've upgraded their biggest weakness and that they need that number one guy on the perimeter, of which Harden can certainly fill that, although I do have playoff skepticism about him. But I think they're, they are big, like Mike said, but I think they're slow. And I think they have to play DeAndre Jordan, or at least that's the plan. And if he's going to be playing... 12 to 15 minutes a night. I think that speaks to the quality of your bench unit. I think they're really going to miss Seth Curry, who kicked their butts last night. I think I I, I get Mike's point, and I, I do see that I I do see the argument for them. But I think they're kind of big and slow without that great of a bench. Although I like Korkmaz quite a bit, and Niang, like I like Niang as well. But like in context, he's kind of a big and slow four. And so if you got a big and slow four next to a DeAndre Jordan, you start you know, running into some of the same problems that, that we've seen on some level with this Lakers team. So I'm not quite as bullish on the Sixers as I think Mike is. Where do you stand? I really like their top five or six guys, right? And so, and building out a playoff rotation usually means finding like eight guys, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're three-fourths of the way to a playoff rotation, you're in pretty damn good shape, right? The Lakers, as a contrast, are maybe like, one third of a way to a playoff rotation, right? And, and, and so, like, I hate to step on the necks of of our of our boys here, but it's just like watching those two teams compete yesterday was a pretty good realization of sort of like where the Lakers are again. If you needed a reminder, but look, Embiid and Harden, like, as much as I just complained about the grifting and and the foul hunting. They actually do draw a bunch of legitimate fouls too. They actually are players who will who will tip the scales in any given game towards like, oh, well, whatever depth that we might have had is now sort of equalized. If you had a depth advantage, maybe it's equalized because your starting center is now on the bench because Embiid drew two fouls on him in the span of five minutes. And you're now your backup center, who is Andre Drummond, who is a good backup center. Maybe he gets two fouls and it's just like, well, okay, well, damn, now we're in the penalty. And now that's where the grifting can pay off in, in a real way because it's like, oh, there's two free throws or three free throws. And it's just like, well, damn. Like they showed the halftime stats and the points, rebounds, and assists were almost exactly identical between Harden and Bede and then Durant and Kyrie as as pairings. But Durant and Kyrie were shooting like 13 for 19. And 
Harden and Embiid were something like seven for 24 or or some crazy number, but they made up for that just by free throws. And, and so the way that a power, it's like you describe them as slow. And I think that that's true, but they're also a power team. And, Very much so. And I do like some of their quickness with like Maxi and Tybel, right? And so to me, the swing guy uh, to a certain extent is like Tobias Harris is... Can he get, can he have two games in a series where suddenly he's hot and he goes five for seven from three and sort of replicate some of the stuff that Curry was providing you for, for example, but doing it from a forward position. But they do need that sort of fourth guy, right? And then Maxie's going to have to show up night after night after night. So that's kind of where I'm at with Philly. I would place them maybe third in the conference, like somewhere around there. But where are you at, Mike? Because I know you had a point about the Bucks too. Well, yeah, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll save that one until getting through Philly a little bit more. But first of all, the roster that they have, just in terms of size and speed and all that, I, I think is a pretty good playoff roster. Uh, it's a, in terms of team speed, I get what Pete's saying, but like they do have, other than Embiid and Harden, the three guys that they start are Maxi, Thibault, and Harris, who are all pretty good athletes. Um, and have, you know, at least at least decent speed. But the size and the strength of Embiid, particularly in a series like he's going to be playing 40 minutes. I don't think DeAndre Jordan should be playing at all for them. But if he is, it's it's not going to be much. And they're going to play like they're going to play eight guys for the most part. And that's, you know, it's Danny Green. It's Niang who I actually kind of like, even though he's slow, he can bang threes. He's smart, makes good mm -hmm. passes. And then, you know, either Milton or Korkmaz and Korkmaz can shoot. You know, Milton can kind of create something off the dribble. But, you know, these are problems that I'd that I'd love to have the Lakers be dealing with off of the bench uh, in terms of those are the guys they're going between. So I and I also think that this injection of Harden here and Harden in like when he first gets to a team, right, he's in best behavior mode. He's he's like he's working really hard. He's all bought in. And I think that that can certainly last through this postseason. And they're just they've got this new hunger about them and this new spirit and this new excitement that when you make a trade like that, that I think can be a boost. And so I to now pivot a little bit to Milwaukee and why why I think that Philly has an actual chance to get out of there. So Milwaukee, I think, is a better team. I like their roster better. I like how they play better. I like Giannis better as the best player. But to me, Milwaukee, I'm I'm using kind of recent basketball history to think to think that I don't think they can repeat because they didn't add anything big or, or even really small to what they had last year. And just like when the Lakers won the title in 2009, they said, we got to we got to add something to this. And they brought in Ron Artest and Ron Artest was still, if not the best, the best two or three perimeter defenders in the league, he was tough. He hadn't won. He was hungry. He played hard every night. And that just that came in and gave them a, a real boost uh, that carried them, I think, helped carry them through the next postseason. And we've seen teams try to repeat since then. And the only one like Golden State is an all time team. But then they brought in Kevin Durant, you know, like this talk about an over the top talent. So furthermore, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday went from winning the title to playing for Team USA. And they've been tired all year. This is this is kind of like the bubble tax that the Lakers went mm -hmm. through. 
And I just do not see those two. I think Giannis is Giannis is fine. Not worried about Giannis. He'll get through. He'll carry them. He'll get through the postseason. And they could win on the strength of Giannis being an absolute monster and wanting it more. But I just I think that's going to end up catching them. I think that they're going to be one or two key guys short because how great was Middleton last year in the postseason and Holiday. So that's where I worry about Milwaukee. And then all of a sudden, like I don't buy Chicago at all. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about Miami, a super hot Boston team, and yes. if Brooklyn, you know, can manage to rally from where they're at uh, in, in their, their, I'm still not counting Brooklyn out by the way, uh, although they've got a, a lot of hurdles um, to get over. That's where I keep kind of thinking about Philly a little bit where, all right, I've got, a, I, I can poke holes in Milwaukee. I can poke holes in Chicago. Certainly I'll let Pete poke holes in Boston. Um, and then I do kind of like Miami though. You know, my, Miami is the other team that I'm kind of, I'm very curious about, but when you get down to Embiid and Harden, even playoff Harden as the number two though, versus, you know, Butler and Bam, that that to me is a pretty big difference, and and that's where I, I'm just I can't ex Philly out. I think that's a very strong argument, and I think what you point out with Milwaukee. Remember, this was a shortened off season, not as short as the one between our title and the following season, but this one was shorter than usual. And that defending champions tax has always existed, right? They, even without the bubble tax and shortened off season type of. Uh, you know, yeah, pressure as well. It's mental too, right? It's not even just yeah. physical. It's just mental too. And everyone else just wants it a little bit more maybe than you do. Absolutely. And it's not even like a conscious thing, I, I don't think, but playing good basketball is hard to do. And it takes your full effort and engagement, both mentally and physically in ways that I think we've seen this from our Lakers team the last couple of years, even throughout the organization. I think we got kind of fat and happy on, on several levels and have missed a lot of the details along the way that have led us to where we are right now. And that's a phenomenon that has happened to every team. And that's why it's so hard to repeat. And that's why you do need to bring that next guy in, Mike, right, that can help put you over the top. And I liked the Ibaka signing. And I think to your Philly point, my concern with Philly isn't that they're big and slow. It's that they don't have really a fast look. I think that most really good teams are able to do both on some level. And some maybe skew a little more big and some may skew a little smaller in terms of their primary look. But the really good teams got to be able to beat you in both ways. And with Philly, I only see like one pitch from them. And with Milwaukee, I'm curious how Ibaka can hold up and if he can I'm I'm skeptical on on that front. And so I'm kind of with Mike on that idea of like I really like their team, but I knocked them down at least a, a peg based on the fact that they won the the title and that they're dealing with a shortened offseason as well. I think that that's a very real thing. Quick tangent for Darius. You you uh you put in our chat, um Ron dot 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 Ron. Did you were you tweeting game I seven? Was. Of twenty, okay. So was that the was, all time? Was that the all time? That was the all time. Okay, okay. that was the all time, and it was like all caps, right? And so, Rod, Rod, and then you know, and then it became Rondo. The same thing for for Rondo, right? Mm-hmm. It was always that idea of this dude ain't supposed to make it, but he making it today, right? And so, yes, a question. Oh, yes. Right. That's like the OGO because there it is. And so when they when they actually replayed game seven uh, recently and I was live tweeting it and someone came to my mentions and was just like, I was waiting the whole game to see this, (laughs) like to see this tweet. Right. Like I was waiting the whole game just just for this tweet. So let's go to break, because when we come back on the other side, I do want to talk a little bit about the Bucks a little bit more about Philly and also 
why I kind of like the Nets. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So one of the things that concerns me about Milwaukee isn't isn't necessarily the tax or anything like that, or but it is, and it's not even necessarily related to like getting the new thing that you talked about with like the Lakers with Ron. It's that they lost a thing that they didn't replace. And I think that thing is pretty important. And the guy they lost was PJ Tucker. Now you could, you cannot, you're not living and dying based off of whether or not you have PJ Tucker on, on your team. But PJ Tucker's role as the guy who could guard a Kevin Durant or guard like a Jimmy Butler. They had him on Devin Booker in the finals for long stretches of it. Right. And the idea of like, oh, okay, just, deploy this dude on another threat he's gonna be capable and in, and on some nights win a lot of those possessions and that saves Middleton and Holiday and Giannis from having to do that and that means they can do this other thing and this other thing is going to help you win on on that given night and that dude hasn't been replaced that and P.J. Tucker also really greased the wheels for Giannis at center lineups and all of this other stuff that I think gave that team a special sort of juice that they needed in order to win the, the championship. And Ibaka's not that guy, right? Port, as good as Portis has been for them, he's not that guy either. You can't deploy him on Kevin Durant and say, hey, man, you want an island, right? And that puts Giannis and Middleton in better defensive situations. Right. Like that's not it. And so the Bucks are the most stable team. I feel like their floor is the highest in terms of like the stability and the core and the understanding of being together. They've got that continuity factor that matters. It matters a lot. And backs against the wall, you expect them to, to compete. But I don't know if I had to choose between them and the Nets. I might that might be the first round series. If if Brooklyn gets that number one seed, we might see Milwaukee Brooklyn a repeat of that in the first round. I might take the Nets. It's very it's going to be very tough to pick against the Nets if we see Durant healthy right for these next three weeks, and then Simmons comes back right. You know, gives them. It, it's going to be it, even as a seven seed. You know, which I think they'll be. It's going to be tough to pick. Against Mike, them. the guy that intrigues me the most out of all of that is Kyrie Irving. So. Look, Kyrie can be a knucklehead. He could be disinformation guy. He could be all of these other things. And that's a whole separate pod. I'm just talking about the on the court guy. The guy who has all the skill in the world and has a little bit of that edge as a killer, as a closer. He's got some of that in him, too. I think there's a reason why Kobe liked this dude as a player so much it's because he has all that skill and he also has some of that like i'm looking right through you 
Mm-hmm. A lot of skill guys don't have that mentality, that killer mentality, right? Where they've learned all of, the, you know, they're off the dribble moves, all the different gathers and shots that they have. But that like, I'm going to mess you up mentality is something that can often be a little more prominent in power players, right? And so when you've got that in a skill guy, it really matters. He can't do it as the number one, though, as we've seen. So but when, yeah, when, so, so that's a demerit that I think we, we just have to give him in yes. this conversation. But, but as a secondary piece to Kevin Durant, then I'm more interested. No, that's exactly right, Mike. And there's a reason why his tenure in Boston looked the way that it did. They looked to him to be the number one guy and he can't do it. it it's, and, and honestly, it's hard for any small guard to be the number one guy on a team that goes all all of the way. And so the demerits are there just from the profile standpoint as well as being a small guard and saying, yeah, be our leader and be the best player. It's hard for that guy. Like Isaiah Thomas might be the only dude in the history of the league that's done it that that way. And he had Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer right next to him, right? Anyways. There was a possession in the game last well, well, last night. Kyrie was defending Harden. I think it was on the right wing. And Harden drew a foul in some way, shape, or form. Kyrie like, like reached in, but they like came up uh, against each other and and Harden sort of bumped, bumped him off. And Kyrie didn't react. He just went right back to playing defense. And he had this look on his face like, man. I don't give two Fs about you right now. The only thing I'm focused on is winning this game. And it was that idea that I was talking about before about looking right through you. Like, I don't even see you right now. Like, you're the opponent. You're faceless. And there's that's a quality that when you're a killer, that's the quality that, that you have. I know we've seen that look on great players' faces so many times rooting for the Lakers. I think it was exemplified by Kobe, but I've seen it with LeBron. I saw it with Magic Johnson. I saw it with Kareem. Like, these dudes, whoever you are, you don't even matter. It don't matter if you're a great player or not. I'm that dude. And Kyrie, for all of his faults and flaws and and times, that same idea can be a like it leads to a hubris too that that then can go the other direction but when it's channeled when it's channeled in the right way and it's operating right at that line where okay we're at peak efficiency he's a problem and then you add that to Kevin Durant then they've got all this shooting Mills and Curry they've got defensive players like Claxton and Bruce Brown they picked up Andre Drummond in that Simmons trade and then they've got Ben Simmons I think the Drummond pickup was important for them too because everybody every other player they have is somebody that you can go through like I could see Joel Embiid without you know Andre Drummond on the team being able to just like plow his way right through everybody now Drummond doesn't necessarily defend big bigs that well but just having that size I think is something that just having that pitch is important they've got more lineup versatility now that they had before Mm -hmm. and I think that that's super important for a playoff series especially when it's surrounding top end talent the way that they have you know, it's a different it's a different type of roster and type of style and group than the one that I have seen work best in the NBA, which is still revolving around the, you know, the big two way guys, plus some three and D around them and plus some athleticism around them. It's more of 
you know, KD and Kyrie in this fast style and then a lot of shooting. But they since, since they embrace that style and sort of know how to execute it, know how to play it. I don't know. There, there's something just, that just looks sharper than when teams that don't know how to play that way play that way. And not to not to have a discussion about this current group of Lakers. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you go into a season a certain way and those guys are all those guys are all playing like that. And I think Simmons fits into that, uh, even though he can't shoot, but he certainly gets up and down the floor and can distribute the ball and can defend. So if you basically you're going to have three elite shooters out there at almost all times, and then the other guys are going to be two really good defenders, um, you know, and Durant kind of can count as both. And I'm very intrigued to watch that. They just have made it because of injuries, much like the Lakers have this year. You know, they've made it difficult on themselves in terms of what they're going to have to do to, they're going to have to beat, you know, three of Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, um, probably most likely. Now there's a chance they could get Boston too um, out of that group. But guess what? Would any of us be shocked if they beat all three of whichever those teams are? Absolutely not. So that's one of the reasons why the East is so intriguing and then there are the three teams that we're just kind of throwing out, you know, like Toronto isn't quite ready, even though they're really interesting. Cleveland is certainly on the downswing. And then, you know, for me, I, I probably sounded pretty dismissive of Chicago. Their big problem this year has been, you know, no healthy former Lakers. Um, Caruso and Lonzo have missed like the vast majority of the last two, three months. But I think their problem in the playoffs is more that they're four or five defensively is DeRozan and Vucevic and teams have just taken advantage of that. And sure, the perimeter guards getting up into you, can impact that some, but I just I just think there's no way that they can sustain uh, beating a good team. And by the way, they haven't they haven't they've like barely beaten a good team all year. You check their record against uh, the top teams in both conferences. Yeah, I'm with you on Chicago, and with respect to Brooklyn, I wouldn't be shocked to see them run three straight you know high end contenders in the East and beat them. But it would also be pretty remarkable because a, a player like Ben Simmons, at least I think requires a certain degree of integration into what you do. He's not James Harden. He's not the same style of play player as a James Harden. And guys like Seth Curry and Drummond are role guys that I think you can slot in pretty easily. But I think it would be remarkable to beat three really good teams in a seven-game series with one of your players being someone that you've played like, I don't know when he's going to be back, but a dozen games with, 15 games with, you know, even on the high end. That would be pretty remarkable. Not to say that it's not possible, but... Uh, a team that's on the other side of that, as as hard as this is for me to say, is the Boston Celtics, who beat the Nets the other day and have been playing great basketball lately. I think they've won 13 of 14, 14 of 15, something like that. They've, they've been really hot, and they have a ton of continuity. They have a ton of guys who are both young, two-way wings, and have been playing together for a long time. They made the Derek White trade. They have recently switched over the last couple of months. They've gone to a pretty much switch-everything type of style, which I think has – some of that regular season benefit, but playoff possible detriment. If you can't do it, if you find a guy like, say, Kevin Durant, that's like, oh, we can't just switch Derek White onto this guy, right? So to be t- determined in that respect, but well, I have been... Pete, uh, yeah. Pete, one point though on there that, that's kind of unlocked their defense and why they've been great. They've, they've basically been using Robert Williams like AD in a way where they've yep. taken him off the center. Now, AD, when the Lakers won the title, other than when he started at center... And they have Horford guard the center and Williams just flies around off the ball. He's at the three point line. He's at the rim. Mm -hmm. He's out at the elbow. He's just everywhere. And this dude is long. He's fast. He's quick. 
And and that's been that's made their defense even that much better. And then, you know, Tatum won't stop scoring you know, 40 points a game. So uh, on the other side of the court. No, I love that you pointed that out. And I think Horford has been incredibly important to what they do and getting him back has kind of locked a lot of things in place. I don't believe in their bench in particular, but I do think that they are more dangerous. And if God, if if this hellscape season could get any worse, <laughs> there it is right right there, man. Like, uh, let, let's hope not. But give, give me your thoughts on, on the Celtics, D. They're, they're a team that uh, I, I always have an eye on them, but lately it's been like... Now, they haven't beaten a lot of good teams in this stretch where they've been really hot, but they certainly have my attention. I think one of the big ideas about the Celtics, and Mike, you've talked about this in in the past, is who's going to take the reins as like the main guy out of Tatum and Brown. And this stretch of the season has looked like it's Tatum. And that slotting of guys is important, right? Because it puts everyone else into the role in which they're supposed to play. And whether or not that's the best role for them, at least there's continuity within that. The questions I have about the Celtics long term is can Horford stay as good as he's been during this stretch? Because just like Pete said, he is a crucial part to what they're doing defensively and offensively as a ball mover and as a floor spacer, as a big guy and as someone who can beat a switch every once in a while on the other end by attacking a smaller guard in the post and basically saying, I'll just get a jump hook off over you from six feet. And that's going to go in enough that, that I'm helping the team that way too. Because if you have to depend on Al Horford, right, then will it all work if he's not as good? That's a real question. And if it, and if it's just, 10% 10% less effective, 15% less less effective, then suddenly you're not the team that's won 20 out of 25 games, right? Suddenly you're a team that's won 15 out of 25 games. Now that's still a really good basketball team. It's not a championship contender level team though. And that to me, it's not, so it's not necessarily about Tatum and Brown. I think those guys are going to do what they do. I really like Marcus Smart as like a competitor. Um, And I like the Derek White deal as well. And I think the way that they've adjusted their team has been good for the structure and for continuity and Udoka's getting a lot out of them. Right. But Horford's crucial to them. And if give them all the truth serum, and go ask any, any Celtics fan, like, do you really want to have to rely on Al Horford this much to be this integral to slotting? And they'd probably be like, yeah, probably not, right? But it's paying off now, and so that's been great for them. So just to, uh, to give a little bit more attention to your point, Darius, which is a, a great one about Tatum uh, and him kind of taking a leap. And so his his last two weeks, just so 36, 36 points, 50% from the field, 7.8 free throws made, 4.2 threes made. And so, so forget the the rebounding and the assists and stuff like that. Like he's he's really taken a step. And this dude's big. He's a good 6'10. He almost looks 6'11 sometimes. He's got a great perimeter shot. He's taken it to the bucket more now. He's as I just mentioned, he's getting fouled more. So he's now, I think, jumping up into that conversation as a closing type player 
as a, and he's still a little bit young, but he's getting there. And that combined with the defense and Brown as a secondary option, white cup, like they're they're they have to be accounted for too. And to me, the biggest thing that's going to happen now, after we talked about a lot of these teams, except for Miami, which we, I'm sure we could spend more time on. Um, they certainly deserve a lot of their respect. It's which one of these top four teams, and I'm putting Boston now with Philly, Milwaukee, and Miami, is going to be able to avoid Brooklyn in round one. And because that's going to be a that's going to be a tough one, man. Whoever like you go through that whole season, and your reward is KD and the rest of that hungry roster coming into your building. That right there might might like I'm going to have to pick round by round almost based on what the matchup is, right, Pete? There isn't one team that I'm like, oh yeah, this is the definite favorite out of this group, and and part of that's because Brooklyn's hanging there uh, in that in that lower portion of the seating. Yeah, and like you said, we didn't get to Milwaukee. We didn't talk about a, a Cleveland team that's really scratched and clawed that I don't think either of us, that any of us have like championship beliefs in, but they're a team that's, you know, earned their way to, to where they are. I think the Eastern Conference is going to be just a bloodbath and it's going to be, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, all right, everybody have a good weekend. Let's hope the Lakers try this weekend. No guarantees, of course. We will be back to cover all of it. Oh, on man. Hey, Pete. no, they deserve it. Mike, they deserve it. They no, deserve no, it. Did you see the, the LA Lakers? Times? I, no, no, forget the Lakers. I just, you know, you just said that with so much angst in your voice. I have angst. I have I angst. Cry, damn it. Cry. Care. Did you see the LA Times thing where they're talking about, like, people talking about, oh, well, at least there's only one month left in the season? That's a weak mentality. I, I can't stand it. And we will talk. I will have. I will have plenty of rants to go on, I'm sure, on Monday here on the Laker Film Room <laughs> But you podcast. guys enjoy your weekend because you, you know Pete won't, no. won't be enjoying it. No, not if we got to watch two Laker games where they barely give a crap. Bye. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Let's the move. Go. Two, Let's go. one, Listen. it. Unbelievable. Right. Right. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.